You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Ron Bachman, and I welcome you back. This program is called Healthcare Insight. We've been going through a series of programs to describe private free market system that I've referred to as MAGA Health. Not that we're going to go back to the pre-Obamacare years of insurance underwriting, cherry-picking, lack of information, funneling people off into high-risk pools, not really taking care of people who are sick, allowing insurance companies to delay, deny, defeat consumers, but a process that will equalize, levelize the playing field, give consumers some power, have a consumer-driven system, and a patient-centric system. That's what we're all about. So what we've been talking about is a whole series of programs here that will get us to understand how we can actually structure a private free market system. We've discussed and described how we can have anybody who wants insurance to get insurance, either by getting approval through insurance company underwriting, by getting what we call a certificate of guaranteed coverage for those who are rejected by an insurance company but are not truly uninsurable, and we'd set up a health review authority to take a look at those uh, rejected applications, determine whether they were really valid or whether that was just the overpowering of the insurance company perspective to decide who they want and who they don't want in a very unfair way, both for individual and small group plans. And then finally, if you're truly uninsurable, you are the sickest among us, you have the biggest problems, you may be high cost, but you're certainly high risk, and the insurance companies would not want to take you on. We need to find a way to provide care and coverage, guaranteed coverage, covering of any pre-existing conditions that might occur, and put those people in what I refer to as an impaired health support group. Not a high-risk pool like we used to have, where we kind of push people off into the side and said, we really don't care about you. We don't really want to hear about you. We're just going to give you coverage over here. It's minimal at best, high cost. We actually hope you don't even take it. So just kind of go away and suffer in your own silence and your own uh, health care problems. That is the opposite of the system that I've been describing. So let's get into the details here of what an impaired health support group would actually look like, how it would function, and how it might differ from high-risk pools of the past. Well, the impaired health support group coverage is designed to provide maximum help and support to those most in need. As Americans wanting a free market system, we actually need to focus, in my opinion, on those who are in most need, not the healthy people giving them a card for some coverage of the prospects of something that might or might not happen in the future, but people who are now very sick, have a congenital illness, disease, and or acquire that through age, through life's maladies, whatever it is. We need to provide a system to really help and support those most in need. So every beneficial service and assistance will be available to those with chronic and persistent illnesses. The system that I'm calling MAGA Health will assure the best care and treatments for the sickest among us. The Impaired Health Support Group is not a traditional pre-Obamacare high-risk pool 
as I've just said. And here's how it differs. First, the Impaired Health Support Group coverage will provide all of the health management, condition management, health literacy, and decision support programs, account-based options, and incentives available to any large self-insured employer-sponsored group plan. Those are the plans typically have the absolute best coverage for their employees. We want to be sure that the Impaired Health Support Group will provide that same level of coverage and help and support with a condition or illness to every member of the Impaired Health Support Group. Otherwise, I've referred to as the uninsurables. Second, focused wellness and disease condition management outreach will be available from support programs that work with individuals on their specific chronic and persistent health issues. Third, insurance coverage will be an option of a number of things, but it will certainly include, for those who want complete coverage, what is typically referred to as comprehensive major medical. It would be a group plan, not an individual plan. We would put all of the uninsureds. The Impaired Health Support Group plan is not a single plan. It's a series of plans with various options. You may or may not be high cost. You may be just high risk. Personal example of that, I have a family member who's got a blood condition that puts them in the high risk group. But they maintain and take care of themselves, take their medication, follow the doctor's orders, and they're stabilized and just as healthy if not healthier than the general population. They, in fact, would be uninsurable, but they might want a higher deductible, less expensive plan. They don't want a comprehensive plan that covers everything at low cost or low deductibles. They're willing to pay for that out of pocket for the benefit of having a lower premium that gives them the coverage that they want. So the insurance coverage in the Impaired Health Support Group is not a single plan. It is a series of plans that gives people the option for what kind of coverage and what level of coverage they really want. Fourth, the administrative costs, insurance premiums, and claim costs can be subsidized by fees, penalties, state, federal, private, and public charity contributions. So there is a funding stream, and we'll get into the details of that funding stream, because that's usually very important to many elected officials who are considering this idea. They always want to know, well, how are we going to fund that? Because in the past, those high-risk pools that I've related this to, but said we're actually the opposite of high-risk pools, uh, that was the problem with many states. They didn't want to fund the high-risk pools, so all the premiums typically went on the individual who was buying the coverage, and it was a very expensive Um, insurance coverage for very few benefits. So fifth, the difference. Insurance is provided through a group plan rather than individual policies. This is important because as plan administrators, insurers typically have more resources available to help impaired lives through services offered to large employer plans. Group plans offer more favorable coverages support systems, pricing, and administration than individual plans. Many insurance companies are kind of divided up where they have a separate part of their operation that deals with individual insurance from the part of their operation that deals with group insurance. And those two areas don't necessarily overlap. Depends upon the insurance company, but typically 
the group plans have a lot more benefits and availability to help really sick people, especially because they've been developed to service their very largest clients, the Microsofts, the Intel, the Georgia Pacific, the um, uh, Southern Company, General Motors, whatever it is. Those systems have been put in place for their biggest, most demanding customers. So we want to provide coverage for the impaired health support members in a group plan. It's a specialized group. It's not a group typical um, where it's uh, the connection is through employment. The connection of this group is through being uninsurable. So we want to put them into a group plan with all these benefits. The other added benefit of this by creating a group plan is that this is one of the few group plans that when you change employment, you wouldn't lose because it's not based on employment. It's based upon being uninsurable. So you actually have portability. You could have a job one place, and you qualify for the impaired health support plan, and then you change jobs. You're still uninsurable. You still keep that coverage in the impaired health support group plan. So it creates the portability that we want for individuals that when they lose their jobs, they're not going to lose this wonderful coverage they have that's been helping maintain their good health, helping them with the treatments that they need to get, helping them with information, identifying uh, with the doctors to create a plan, a treatment plan that's beneficial to um, stabilize and or help with the recovery. So major differences between what I'm suggesting here as an impaired health support group and the old-fashioned high-risk pool, which was not very helpful to anybody at all. Nobody wants to be identified as being high-risk, but I think people fully understand that they may have impaired health and need help and support. So if the ideas are really followed that we've been describing here, this will, in fact, lead to a consumer-centric insurance market where individuals and small groups can apply for coverage knowing they will qualify for an affordable plan provided directly by insurers or through a subsidized impaired health support group. So it's this area where we're talking about providing government subsidies, state, local charity contributions for those organizations that are interested in in uh, the uninsurable and helping them. Uh, there's also fees, and I think I have listed out, ultimately we'll see later, uh, eight to ten uh, different streams of funds that would actually help support uh, the impaired health support group, both the administration of it and the claims side of it. So these empowered consumers would not avoid the application process because they feared passing strict carrier underwriting and or worrying that any poor health characteristics would be part of some national medical information bureau database that could affect other personal or business needs. No, they can actually apply with some confidence that they're going to get coverage in one of those three ways, either through the insurance company, by getting a certificate of guaranteed coverage if they've been inappropriately rejected for coverage, or they will get coverage in this impaired health support group. But you don't have to worry that because you applied and got rejected from one company, you're going to get rejected from other companies. In fact, you're going to get a certificate of guaranteed coverage that they have to accept you at a reasonable price and limited restrictions, if any. Um, so that's the general background of the impaired health support group, subsidized premiums, comprehensive premium if that's what you want, plan alternatives. It'll be affordable. Guaranteed available, cover pre-existing conditions. So let's list a few of the takeaways. 
from this particular section. The MAGA Health will assure the best care treatments for the sickest among us. The Impaired Health Support Group is not a traditional pre-Obamacare high-risk pool. The Impaired Health Support Plan will include all of the coverages and support services available to plan members in a large employer group plan. The focus will be on wellness and condition disease management to try to get people stabilized, get them healthy, allow them to either get back to work or to stay on the job or certainly be productive citizens and to be able to provide for their families and their community. So that's the general concept of the Impaired Health Support Group. The next section, we'll get into some of the frequently asked questions around there so we can get a little bit more detail and refresh some of the concepts and flush it out a little bit more. But let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about MAGA Health, guaranteed coverage, coverage of pre-existing conditions, impaired health support groups, all those sorts of things. We'll be back in a minute. You're on America's Web Radio, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Thank you for your time, and we'll be right back. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. You're listening to the program Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. Glad to have you back. Let's continue with our discussion on how to create a private free market health insurance system that covers all the things that good about the Affordable Care Act, but none of the government controls, creating a private free market system. Well, we've gone through some of the details in the last session on uh, the Impaired Health Support Group. Let's go through some of the frequently asked questions that have come up regarding this concept. First question. What is the purpose of the Impaired Health Support Group coverage? Well, the purpose of the Impaired Health Support Group coverage is to provide all the support wanted and needed for the sickest among us. This is really the opposite of the pre-Obamacare high-risk pools. This is a process, a structure, that will create the support services wanted and needed For the sickest among us, those who need the most care and help to stabilize their condition and hopefully provide some level of recovery. It provides access to affordable, comprehensive insurance for otherwise uninsurable individuals and lowers the premiums 
for fall, small, fully insured employer-sponsored group plans and individual plans. By removing the high-cost, high-risk individuals and putting them into the Impaired Health Support Group and giving them all the services to help stabilize and lower their costs, it has a dramatic impact on the risk pool that remains in the private market, thus lowering the premiums for the private market coverages for both small group and individual coverages. Second, who is eligible for coverage in the Impaired Health Support Group? Well, the answer is any individual is eligible who has applied to a licensed participating insurer for an individual comprehensive major medical medical policy and has been rejected for coverage, unable to agree on alternatives that allow for a premium of less than 25% over standard premium rates or includes contract benefit limits of 25% or more of the policy value or any combination thereof. In addition, anyone who is part of a group of 50 or fewer employees and has a medical condition or history that causes the group to be priced at least 10% or higher than otherwise standard group rates. So it's going to affect both individual and group plans that are offered up in the free market. Third, are there limitations for individuals eligible for the impaired health support group? Yes. Any individual must be a legal citizen of a state for at least 12 months prior to the application to an insurer. In addition, the following are also excluded from eligibility in the Impaired Health Support Group. And there are six different conditions that would deny person coverage in the Impaired Health Support Group. The first is any person who is eligible for health insurance benefits under Medicaid. So if you get coverage under Medicaid, there's no need for you to come into the private market. You're covered under Medicaid. That's fine. You've got all the coverage you need, and it's it's supported and subsidized by the federal government. We're not talking about eliminating Medicaid. We're keeping it where it is today. So if you're eligible for that, you don't need a private market uh, health insurance covers, therefore you would not be uninsurable. You actually are insurable through Medicaid program. Second, any person who is eligible for another state or federal plan of coverage or program, including but not limited to Medicare, TRICARE, or the Veterans Health Care System. So if you're covered by those, again, you're not uninsured. You have insurance through those mechanisms. So you would therefore, by definition, not be uninsurable because you would have insurance through these other uh, sources. Third, if you're an inmate of a public institution and persons otherwise eligible for public programs, many inmates in public institutions, those in our jail system, get coverage through that system. So, therefore, you are not uninsurable because you have insurance. Fourth, any person who is eligible for self-insured employer coverage. In other words, if you're working for a large group that's self-insured, you should be able to get coverage from them. Most of them cover under their current requirements under ERISA covering pre-existing conditions. So you would get insurance. They don't underwrite. They accept anybody who is actively at work. You may have to go through a waiting period for coverage of three months, uh, but you would get insurance through a large self-insured employer coverage. 
Fifth, any person who has voluntarily terminated coverage in the Impaired Health Support Group within the previous 12 months. So you can't get into the Impaired Health Support Group and then get out and get back in and get out. Once you're out, you're not going to be eligible for 12 months. So it encourages people to stay in. So when you're sick, you get coverage. When you get stabilized, you get better. Uh, you don't have to get out. If you do get out, you darn well better get coverage on your on your own through an employer or through buying it on, as, as an individual in the marketplace. But once you're out of the impaired health support group, you can't get back in for at least 12 months. It helps to stabilize the impaired health support population. Six, any person on whose behalf the impaired health support group has previously paid out a million dollars or more in benefits, and any person who ceases to meet the impaired health support group eligibility requirements may be terminated at the end of the earlier of the policy period or enrollment in other coverage. In other words, you no longer meet the eligibility requirements that are set by the um, um, health review authority. Or you're in and out a couple times, you wait 12 months, you come back in, and uh, you just get coverage. But when you're healthy um, enough, you get out of the coverage. So if the group has, impaired health support group has paid out a million dollars to you overall in this in and out process, um, you're not going to be allowed to come back in at all. Now, if you come in and you stay in, uh, you'll have unlimited coverage. You don't have that limitation. But we've got to provide some sort of restriction on people just sort of coming in and going out willy-nilly that, that uh, allows for free rider system. There has to be an incentive for people to stay in the system, and this is one of those mechanisms. Also, as part of this um, sixth item, the impaired health support coverage cannot be rescinded unless the application was approved due to fraud or material misrepresentation. Those, if you're lying about your disability, if you're lying about uh, information on your health and your application that made it appear as though you were uninsurable and it was fraudulent in order to get into a subsidized coverage, uh, you can be removed from the uh, impaired health support group coverage. But otherwise, the coverage can never be rescinded. Once you're in the impaired health support group, um, you can stay in there. It's actually portable coverage because it's not going to be uh, part of an employer group. It will be a group coverage is most efficient and effective way to provide coverage for individuals. But you'll never have to leave. So if you leave your job, you keep your impaired health support group coverage. All right, the fourth area of uh, frequently asked questions. How can one be accepted into the impaired health support group? Well, if an applicant is determined by the Health Review Authority to be truly uninsurable, they will automatically qualify for the Impaired Health Support Group. If the Impaired Health Support Group is accepting new applications, they can then select among plans offered and the premiums then charged by the Impaired Health Support Group. So there's going to be a number of different offerings. There's not just one. You don't necessarily have to get the comprehensive major medical. And while it's subsidized, there will still be a premium the individual would, would be required to pay some portion of it. You don't get any, everything for free. There has to be some buy-in by the individual, but it will be heavily subsidized. And I say in this comment, if the impaired health support group is accepting new applicants, well, if there's federal support, then it'll always be accepting new applicants. 
if the federal government is no longer supporting the impaired health support group, and this is a state doing it on its own, the state can actually limit its financial exposure by just saying they're only going to spend so much money and limiting new applicants, and and they can just be put into a queue. Now, that's not the best solution. We really prefer this to be a replacement of Obamacare with some federal subsidy, state subsidy, and the other uh, financing mechanisms I'll point out at a later date. But um, so don't take that one comment as um, too restricting and uh, uh, changes your thinking about the impaired health support group. It would be available to anybody who is truly uninsurable. So if the applicant is determined to be truly uninsurable and the impaired health support group is not accepting new applicants, that one example that I, I stated earlier that there's no federal subsidy and the state and the, and the other funds are inadequate, um, the applicant can choose to be placed in a queue for future acceptance. If the pool opens to new entrants, applicants will be offered coverage in the order in which they were placed in the queue. Again, that's only a potential if there is not enough funding uh, from the federal government in particular, or there's limitations on funding from states or other mechanisms. And I'll go through the eight or ten different ways these uh, the impaired health support group can be funded. But just to create a structure and the potential for this to be implemented without federal funds before Obamacare is uh, eliminated, before it finally dies, before the federal government chooses to uh, replace it uh, and repeal it, um, this is a mechanism that any state can just adopt and put this kind of a structure in to help the sickest among us, but not bankrupt the state. So, fifth, what are the requirements for new and existing employer group members to be eligible for the impaired health support coverage? Well, employer groups of 50 or fewer employees must not have been insured during at least the last six months. For group plans renewing with the same insurer at the first annual policy anniversary, insurers may, at their option, apply to the Health Review Authority for eligible members and or associated family members to be considered for the impaired health support coverage. So there's really two bites at the apple for a small group. Uh, If your initial underwriting is taking place with some limited questions, as is typical for small employers, employer groups, then any individual who has or or family member uh, who has health problems of significance that would increase the cost of the group, that individual can be pulled out and put into the impaired health support group. But very important, especially for insurers out there who want to participate in a lower cost product to these under 50 life groups, which is where most of the uninsured are and where our biggest problem is for pre-existing conditions, they'll get a second bite of the apple. If during that first year there was an accident with an illness that occurred that wasn't anticipated or recognized in the initial underwriting, that insurance company can then pull out another individual or individuals at the first renewal that might have impaired health and put them into the impaired health support coverage. This was a strong encouragement for insurers to participate in this whole process and system because it will allow them to sell small group products at a much lower premium than they would otherwise be able to do because the people they pull out are going to go into a government subsidized program. A very efficient system for using government funds to help lower the cost for everybody and to take care of the sickest among us. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back 
with Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. We're going to be talking about cost, quality, and access to care under this new system. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Welcome back to Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. Let's talk about some real important issues now. We've described the system. We've described the underwriting process. We've described how anybody who wants insurance will get insurance through one of three ways, either getting insurance directly from an insurance company. If they're rejected, they can get a certificate of guaranteed coverage, which will require the insurance companies to offer you affordable care. Or third, you into an impaired health support group because you're uninsurable and you'll get the absolute best care to stabilize whatever condition you have, whether it's asthma, diabetes, congestive heart failure, cancer, whatever it is that has uh, rendered you uninsurable, you'll get coverage in an impaired health support group that's subsidized. But whichever mechanism you use, whichever way you get the insurance that you want, there's three important things. Any new system, any system that I just described, however it's finalized, has to address access to care, quality of care, and the cost of care. Now we're going to talk about how this new system we've been discussing over the last several weeks, in fact, will improve each of these three areas. And that's always been a very difficult thing to do. Most people thinking about health reform have always said, well, you can only get two of the three. You can get access and quality, but that means cost is going to go up. Well, you can lower cost and improve the quality, but then the access to care is not there. We don't have to choose two out of three. We can actually achieve all three under this new system. So these three most important aspects of any health insurance reform is how it measures up against the standards of increased access to medical care, improved quality of care, and lowering the cost of care. Well, access to care means increased access, excuse me, Access to insurance means increased access to medical care. So we're talking about access to medical care. You really can't get that unless you have access to insurance, which is the way you finance that medical care. So the purpose of any insurance is to purchase protection before the onset of a problem. You buy insurance before the onset of a problem. For example... You can't buy hurricane insurance when a named storm is heading your way. An imminent claim from a known pre-existing condition generally precludes the purchase 
of any kind of insurance coverage. We're not talking about just health insurance here, any kind, whether it's homeowner's insurance. If there's something that is on its way that's predetermined with a high likelihood to occur, that's considered to be a pre-existing condition. So you can't buy insurance if a hurricane is on the way. You can't buy homeowner's insurance. You can't even get a mortgage if there's a named hurricane uh, in the environment. But access to buying health insurance is different. Let me repeat that. Access to buying health insurance is different. Pre-existing conditions are prevalent in most of us to some degree or another. Some individuals are born with a pre-existing health condition. Over time, many of us will suffer from accidents and illnesses. Others will acquire chronic conditions, asthma, diabetes, congestive heart failure. Still others must deal with the normal disabilities of aging. Pre-Obamacare insurance, health insurance companies used an analysis of medical records and policy application information to profile individuals or groups seeking health coverage. Insurers wanted to determine the extent of any pre-existing condition or illnesses. This is called risk selection. This is the process pre-Obamacare. In the past, health insurers had the unilateral power to deny individual applicants or groups access to purchasing health coverage. Now, different states had different laws, and some states mandated coverage. Uh, some states mandated what the premium levels could be, and it distorted uh, the market and the relationships. And many insurance companies got out of the business because they really had no way of protecting themselves. However, many insurers, under whatever the systems that the states put in place, if they are able to continue to operate, many insurers abuse this power of unilaterally denying coverage by cherry-picking only the healthy customers. That's why some states passed laws that tried to reverse that, but the state laws themselves had problems or issues in allowing the market to actually operate in an efficient way, and it distorted the market and many times dramatically increased the premiums for anybody who actually wanted to buy insurance and was healthy enough to buy insurance because the unhealthy were stuck in with them in the same risk pool without any requirements or restrictions, just guaranteed coverage without any other mechanisms that we've described under this program we've been calling MAGA Health. So these two frequently underwriting abuses increased the number of uninsureds. Individuals were especially disadvantaged if they tried to leave a job where they had employer-sponsored coverage. Buying an individual policy was difficult as insurers limited access by using the most extreme underwriting risk selection process. So it was the individual market in particular that was dramatically hurt in the previous pre-Obamacare underwriting processes. In general, limiting access to health insurance limits access to medical care. MAGA Health assures access to affordable health insurance for all Americans, therefore providing increased, improved access to medical care for the entire population who actually wants to have that access, wants to have health insurance, wants to have affordable health insurance as a way of financing the medical care that they either need or are going to need. Let's talk about the critical 
12%. As we've discussed in previous programs, pre-Obamacare study by the American Health Insurance Plans, the AHIP, showed 83.9% went through the medical underwriting process and resulted in an offer of coverage. A significant number of applications for individual health insurance never even made it to the medical underwriting process. But in many cases, the media said, oh, there's 16% that get rejected. Well, the reality is it was only about 12% because many people didn't follow up with getting the information to make a medical underwriting decision. They just kind of backed out in the middle of the process or failed to provide non-medical information, which meant that they weren't going to get a chance to even be underwritten. Overall, approximately this 16.1% of total applications received were either not processed, maybe there was even a lack of citizenship, maybe there was a lack of proper residency, maybe there was some information that was asked about a medical condition or some non-medical condition that was not followed up and provided to the insurance company, so they couldn't make a decision. So they may have been denied for non-medical reasons, this failure to provide information. For those applications that went through the medical review, 87.3%, in fact, were offered coverage. Acceptance rates did vary by age. Insurers accepted 95% of people under age 18, but only 71% of people age 60 to 64. So clearly, the older you got, the more potential you had for a pre-existing condition that the insurance company would say that you are then uninsurable, or that's the part of the market they would in the most extreme case, be accused of cherry-picking. So older folks were more likely to be rejected for pre-existing conditions. Overall ages, only 2 to 3% were truly uninsurable, yet more than 12% were rejected for coverage. It is these critical 12% that must be empowered to access affordable coverage they need to cover any pre-existing condition that had previously been used to deny them coverage. These critical 12% do not come from any one set of employer plans or from any particular sector of society. Many are working for small businesses. They work multiple part-time jobs or are self-employed. Mostly, they are hard-working individuals and families seeking to provide for and pay for their own health insurance, but they can't get it. Many found themselves in a situation where they cannot obtain health insurance at any price. In order to replace Obamacare with a private market health system, MAGA Health, as we've been designing and structuring it and explaining it, addresses these issues so that no one now covered is dropped from coverage and no new persons are left without access to comprehensive health insurance covering pre-existing conditions. So, what are the takeaways from this section about access to medical care? Well, access to buying health insurance is different and more important than buying other retail or consumer products and services. Pre-existing conditions are prevalent in most of us. So we can't use that as a restriction on getting insurance. Too often in pre-Obamacare, 
ensures limited access to health insurance by accepting a cherry-picking only very healthy consumers. I don't want to overstate the cherry-picking. It did, it did exist, but it was not the most common process by the insurance industry. I don't want to indict every insurer for cherry-picking. There were just enough examples that this always came out as a black mark, a black eye against the insurance industry. And different ones cherry-picked, if you will, to different degrees, some more extreme than the others, some not at all. While acceptance for insurance varied by age, for those that went through a medical review, 87.3% were offered coverage. Another takeaway. It's the remaining critical 12% that must be empowered to access affordable coverage they need and to cover any pre-existing condition. MAGA Health, the system we've been describing, provides all Americans guaranteed issue and access to comprehensive major medical insurance covering pre-existing conditions. It addresses the need of that critical 12%, gives them the coverage they need and the price they need one of three ways. Again, either directly from an insurance company, being given a certificate of guaranteed coverage if, in fact, they are insurable but have been inappropriately rejected, or if they are uninsurable, they will go into the impaired health support group and get all the services that the sickest among us need to stabilize their condition or get healthy. Well, we're at the end of another section. We are going to talk next section about quality of care. It's another one of those key issues. Does this really improve the quality of care? We've just demonstrated and discussed how you improve access to care by improving access to insurance that finances that care. Without good health insurance, you can't get the best health care services that you would want and need by whom you want, when you want. So hopefully we address that issue and we're ready to move into the quality of care. You're on America's Web Radio listening to Healthcare Insight. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is David Donaldson with the Atlanta Healing Center, conveniently located in Lawrenceville, Georgia. At AHC, your success is our goal. Addiction recovery is about more than just not using. It's about becoming a whole person and addressing all aspects of your physical, psychological, and social needs. Please call us at 770-696-9862, or you can reach us on the web at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and the program is Healthcare Insight. I'm Ron Bachman, and we've been discussing a new system of private free market health insurance. We have a whole series of these programs. For those of you uh, tuning in and listening, you can go back and find all of the previous programs that describe all the details of what we've referred to as MAGA Health, a private free market health insurance system. And you can find that at America's Web Radio. Dot com. Search out Healthcare Insight, and you'll find the programs leading up to this one, and uh, we'll post all future ones on that same website. So, with all that, where do we go next? We've just described how we can increase the access to medical care by increasing access to affordable health insurance. Let's focus now on the quality of care. 
you can have access to care, but if it's not good quality, if you're not able to access the doctors that you want and trust, if you can't access the kind of medications you need, be able to access the hospitals that you want to go to, then you really can't get the kind of quality of care that's needed. So, once again, quality of health care, just like access, quality of health care starts with good health insurance. Comprehensive major medical insurance means better access to quality care. Better access to quality care means better treatments. And better treatments means better health. You know, the Institute of Medicine concluded, health insurance is associated with better health outcomes for adults and with their receipt of appropriate care across a range of preventive chronic and acute care services, adults without health insurance coverage experience greater declines in health status and die sooner than adults do that have continuous coverage. Uninsured children are 70% more likely to go without care for common childhood conditions such as asthma, ear infections, and sore throats. Uninsured children are five times more likely to have an unmet need for medical care each year. The uninsured are 33% less likely to have routine physical examinations and 25% less likely to visit a doctor for an illness. Well, let's continue. We've talked about adults and children. What about uninsured women? Well, they're 36% less likely to get a pap smear, and 60% less likely to get a mammogram. Uninsured men are 40% less likely to get a prostate examination. The ripple effects of being uninsured and having poor health are felt throughout society. Uninsured children have impaired development and poor school performance. Again, you can't have good health without being able to access the healthcare system. Your ability to perform is not just your personal intellect, brilliance, connections, creativity. It also has to do with your health. You can't do a whole lot with all those great skills that you have without your health. For example, uninsured adults have more absences from work, more unscheduled sick days, and greater rates of disability. The 2004 Family Kaiser Family Study found that societal costs of the uninsured to be $125 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars. By expanding private health market under the system MAGA Health, it opens up access to treatments and improved quality of care. Now let's talk about a really critical part of healthcare, mental health. Mental health is a critical part of MAGA health. The 2008 Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act required employers over 50 employees to cover mental health the same as physical health. They had to pay the same coverages, 
with the deductibles and coinsurance, they couldn't increase the cost. They couldn't increase the out-of-pocket cost for mental health. They had to treat it the same. Employees and family members enrolled in small group plans need the same integrated mental health benefits. One truism exists. If an employer-sponsored plan does not include stress management, it is 100% certain that plan members will have their own stress management program. Likely, it will not be beneficial to an employer's health, a worker's health, or productivity. Without a structured stress management program, the most common self-destructive stress reliefs are comfort foods, smoking, alcohol, and drugs, none of which support a healthy workforce. So mental health parity, if you will, mental health coverage the same as physical health, is important for all size groups, not just above 50 employees, as in the 2008 Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act. So we need to be certain that that is part of any health insurance program that is offered, certainly for those in the impaired health support plan. Because you can't have good health without good mental health as well. Most employers are beginning to understand the work effects of stress and depression. But few employers fully grasp the debilitating impact on families from attention deficit disorders, PTSD, and other more complex mental health diagnosis. For any company, there are corporate costs beyond the health plan claims. Corporate productivity losses and costs are potentially much higher, much higher than any treatment costs. So it's important that mental health be part and parcel of any health insurance program. You know, there are four aspects of human life, mental, physical, social, and spiritual. And good health requires a good balance of all of those. And too often the mental health side is overlooked, whether that's from stigma, whether that's from institutional processes that have been set up to treat mental health differently, whatever it is. Corporations are now understanding because of these previous laws passed how important it is to mental health. Let's, let me give you a few examples. The corporate costs of mental health conditions. Well, there is the condition itself. Let's start and go from the lowest to the more complicated. Things like frustration, anxiety, low stress, minor depression. Those are relatively low cost and individuals sort of have to work their way through some of that. There's not a lot of attention given to those areas, but they're very important and should get more attention. Should get more support from family members. Should get more understanding from individuals suffering from those as to how they might treat them. But then you get into more medium costs, moderate stress, depression, anger, attention deficit disorder, PTSD, these start to add up in costs of treatment. But you can get some mental health support from your insurance coverage for depression, for anger, for ADD, or for post-traumatic stress. And those are usually covered under insurance programs. But then you get to the much higher costs, high stress, major depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, obsessive-compulsive, panic disorder, anorexia, bulimia. These are much higher costs, but are also usually covered by insurance to really help individuals. And then the super high costs, things that 
are generated from mental health conditions of violence, suicide. Those are things that, as a society, we're suffering more costs. So that's sort of a, a spectrum of mental health conditions from low to high. But what's lost in many cases is the related physical condition. Now, there's not a one-to-one correlation, but there certainly is a connection between these areas. And I've had national experts, psychiatrists, psychologists, help me with putting together this kind of structure of what the related conditions are to various mental conditions. So in the low-cost area, yeah, for anxiety and minor depression, you have the tobacco use, sleepless nights, colds, flus, blood pressure. Those are not usually things that are covered by your insurance program, but they're certainly related to um, the physical conditions deteriorating. As you get to the depression and anger, you have hypertension, musculoskeletal problems, digestive problems, gastrointestinal problems. So you start to see the physical conditions, many of which are covered, all of which are covered by your insurance plan, but the underlying depression Anger, ADD, post-traumatic stress is not being addressed, so we wind up paying it in the health insurance plan without looking at the underlying cause. As you move to those higher cost areas of major depression, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive, there's a linkage to areas like cardiovascular disease, cancer, diabetes, asthma, back pain, and alcoholism. These are things that wind up being much more um, uh, impactful to deteriorate the physical condition of the individual and are also covered by insurance plans. But again, nobody's looking at the underlying causes that might be related. You know, an individual who's got diabetes may be taking four, five, six different medications, and they're not stabilizing their diabetes condition because nobody is treating the underlying depression. It's not that they're being a difficult patient. It's that nobody's treating the underlying depression. So we wind up with high medical costs, when in fact we could stabilize those and get a more compliant patient with the treatment plan by actually treating their depression. And then you get those extra high costs. You have a lot of more accidents and burns from those subject to violence and suicide. You'll have all sorts of extra high costs that are debilitating the physical condition. But that's not all. There are corporate costs. We've been talking more about the individual or health insurance But there are corporate costs. At the low end, again, of the frustration, anxiety that generates maybe tobacco use, drug use, sleepless nights, whatever, from the corporate side, there are increased errors, increased absenteeism, loss of teaming. People are not very good teammates when they're anxious and suffering from some minor depression. Those cost the corporate bottom line from not having as an effective team. As you move up to the depression and anger, You get unscheduled absences, poor morale, relationship conflicts, lost productivity, bottom line corporate issues. As you move up to even higher costs, things like major depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, obsessive compulsive, you get very low productivity. You get increased divorces, which is very impactful on anybody being able to do their job. They're thinking about all the issues of divorce and separation of assets and children and everything else. You start to get enormous turnover in these higher cost mental health issues, early retirement, increased workers' comp claims, and disability claims. These are very high costs for corporations if they're not treating underlying uh, mental health issues. At the very high end, you get death, 
you have workplace violence, and you have problems with disaster recovery because somebody has sabotaged your computer systems or your corporation, or you have violence on the workplace. So mental health is a critical part of any plan going forward that is used to replace Obamacare. It has to be something that gets more highlight and more attention than we've given to mental health in the past. So that whole description we've been through shows how mental health, physical health, and corporate costs are interrelated. Mental health issues are not character weaknesses. Like most physical illnesses, mental health is a disease and is treatable. As the Mental Health of America axiom states, you cannot have health without mental health. Let me repeat, you cannot have health without mental health. We're at another end of a program. We thank you for joining us. Come back next week for Healthcare Insight. Look at past programs, listen to past programs on americaswebradio.com. We'll see you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.